everyone, we have talked about some exciting news in this particular episode. It was about El Salvador and how they passed a bill, initially proposed a bill to um, make Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador and then it got passed almost immediately. So we discussed how exciting and amazing that is for one, the country of El Salvador, because two, um, neighboring countries are looking to follow suit and three, this is a huge win for Bitcoin. Um, we talked about the advantages, again, of this particular situation, as well as discussed some of the challenges that El Salvador can face from the rest of the world, perhaps a more powerful country, or, you know, what happens if they go back on their decisions, something that happened with, uh, with Tesla and uh, Elon Musk. So it was a really exciting discussion because Keegan and I were both put on the spot by one another to come up with our thoughts on, you know, a challenging scenario for Bitcoin at this point um, in time, you know, because of El Salvador's announcement. And we both had a really, really great time discussing this topic. So we hope you enjoy this episode. We certainly had a lot of fun recording it. And as always, reach out to us with questions, comments, or just strike up a conversation, our email address is ready at gofullcrypto.com. And if you haven't already, sign up for Keegan's newsletter because he, he writes really well. <laughs> so um, we'll add the link to that in our show notes as well, along with the blog post that he wrote about El Salvador, if you also like to read um, accompanying podcasts. So without further ado, let's dive in. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. Oh boy, do we ever have some news for you. Which you may or may not have already heard. So if you are in El Salvador and you want to buy a Tesla and you want to buy it with Bitcoin, Tesla vendors have to accept your Bitcoin to give you what you want to buy. Is Tesla in El Salvador? Do, do they have offices there? I'm not sure, but it was just a way of saying that Bitcoin is now legal tender in um, in El Salvador, which, which also means that if you want to pay with Bitcoin, then the vendor has to accept it. As long as they have the technical capability to do so. If they have the ability, then they must accept your Bitcoin, which is kind of cool, actually. That's really awesome for technological technological development in El Salvador as well, because if they didn't initially have the capacity, now there is going to be a huge push to make sure that all of the vendors, even if it's street vendors, have access to technology, access to internet, and access to uh, the capacity to accept Bitcoin from anyone who wants to purchase services from them. Yeah, this move by El Salvador is surely to increase the financial inclusivity uh, of all of its citizens as well. Because they're, they're one of the countries that are lowest on the economic scale as far as financial inclusivity goes. So this is a really cool thing to have happen for the Bitcoin community because now we've got all these data points starting what last one no, last Saturday and the bill just passed on Wednesday, June the what was yesterday, Murga? June the 9th. Yeah. Uh, yeah, June 9th. So June 9th is when the bill actually passed. So you're probably listening to this on Sunday or later. And uh, that's it's pretty exciting stuff because this is just fresh. The president of El Salvador announced this 
um, on uh, on a Saturday, created the bill on a Tuesday, and passed it on a Wednesday. So the government moved really quickly, and all of this really came out of Bitcoin Beach. So if you caught GoFull Crypto episode, I think it was episode sixteen or seventeen. It was with a, an individual named Michael Peterson from Bitcoin Beach, and that was the circular microeconomy based on Bitcoin and the Lightning Network. And we interviewed him last August, I think, and since then. We've had a, an incredible explosion of development and Bitcoiners go to El Salvador to help bootstrap this economy. And less than a year later, uh, the, the country is the first to make a Bitcoin legal tender. So I have a question here that I believe someone listening might also have, Keegan. Awesome. And that is, okay, Bitcoin is super volatile. We saw an all-time high of 80,000 Canadian and now it's at 40,000 Canadian and it broke 40,000 and went below it just this past week. Why does El Salvador or anybody in El Salvador or in the world think that Bitcoin should be used to buy a cup of coffee? That's a good question. I think it has more to do with their uh, geopolitical circumstances. So they're a country that has um, been dollarized. And what dollarization means for any country who has been dollarized is that they can't convince their own citizens to utilize a currency that their own government creates. So there's no such thing as an El Salvadorian dollar, right? They use the US dollar there as their primary means of transacting. But the only way the country and the citizens can get the US dollar is by, well, requesting it from the US government and borrowing it from them at interest. So all of a sudden, the country has gained the ability by going on the, the Bitcoin standard to give its citizens a way out of dollarization they're, they can all of a sudden get out from under the thumb uh, of control that uh, that being dollarized puts them under. Um, and we call this Bitcoinization. Right on. Yeah. But that still doesn't answer my question of uh, <laughs> if someone's going to buy a cup of coffee, they could have paid less for it the next day, possibly. Yeah, true. So I don't exactly have a uh, an answer for you now. I, I think that if the whole community is using Bitcoin then you've got the the whole phenomenon of one bitcoin equals one bitcoin which is all all i am saying when i'm saying that is that if the whole community is is thinking and using bitcoin then it doesn't matter if the price of bitcoin fluctuates with respect to the us dollar because knowing no one is thinking in terms of the us dollar anymore right so if they're pricing the coffee as 10 satoshis well it doesn't matter if 10 satoshis is worth 10 us cents or not because 10 satoshis is 10 satoshis from one day to another and uh, that i think is the future of of where el salvador will be going with their bitcoinization at least at bitcoin beach everything's priced in satoshis right they're, they use the lightning network they're not they're not trading they're not saying okay a cup of coffee is a dollar ten and that's this much amount of money this day no or this much amount of satoshis they're saying okay it's 10 satoshis or whatever it might be that's a really good point. So to to counter the argument of, oh, I, I could have paid whatever amount less for my coffee the next day, the the counter argument to that is, well, if your coffee is priced in, in Bitcoin or Satoshi's, uh, to be more precise, then you don't even have to worry about what the price of that particular asset is or what the price of Bitcoin is in terms of US dollar or Canadian dollar or whatever other dollar, because 
10 satoshis is 10 satoshis and no matter what day you buy your coffee on if that's the price of the coffee then that's that that's right. it could actually go down <laughs> maybe if you buy <laughs> a cup of coffee for 10 satoshis uh, in 2021 then maybe in 2030 you'd probably buy it for two satoshis we can hope oh, this is just an example by the way i pulled my numbers out of my head but the point is if uh, money is anti-inflammatory no <laughs> no <laughs> whoops <laughs> That's a swelling. If money is ibuprofen <laughs> or Tylenol. Oh, God. Uh, what? Anti-inflationary. Anti-inflationary. That's the word that I was going for. Oh, my gosh. Um, then you pay less over time, which is way which is preferable to paying more over time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's the big piece of news that we wanted to, to share with our audience today. And the last piece of uh, El Salvadorian Bitcoin news is actually that they, the president wants to run Bitcoin miners on energy generated from their volcanoes. So we've been talking a lot about green energy mining Bitcoin. And I don't know if it gets any more green than just tapping right into the hottest uh, thing we have available to us on the surface of the planet, which is volcanoes. It just adds a new layer of, of interesting, like I didn't even consider that you could run a Bitcoin mining facility off of volcano energy. That's just next level cool. Or hot. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's true. I, I saw the memes of um, the El Salvadorian president um, on a surfboard that was in the shape of a Bitcoin sliding down a volcano in El Salvador. And that's simply because uh, you can use geothermal energy to power Bitcoin mining rigs. Now, I have a question about that. Yeah. Is Does Elvis El Salvador already use geothermal for their electricity grid for just day-to-day -day electricity usage? I literally think they call it volcano energy. I don't. Uh, geothermal is tapping into a different thing, as far as I understand. Like, uh, So you're I, not kidding when you say they're tapping into the volcano. Yeah, they already have a volcano energy facility. That's how they already generate um, electricity for their country. But it creates a room. I mean, okay, if you're tapped into a volcano, how much more difficult is it to produce an extra couple terawatts for any lucrative uh, or entrepreneurial Bitcoin companies that are seeking cheap energy, right? They're, what El Salvador is trying to do by introducing this this bill into their country to essentially move the country onto a Bitcoin standard is to incentivize Bitcoiners to come to the country to build infrastructure on top of Bitcoin and subsequently increase the GDP of El Salvador, make it a more prosperous society. And I think that there's, there is absolutely the ability for them to do this. Okay, so I was talking to a couple of my friends and they were saying, oh, big whoop, it's El Salvador. They're like a very small country of like six or seven million. Like that's not all that big news. But you know what? It's big news, Murga. because countries... Hey, I'm not doubting you. <laughs> no, I know. You weren't the ones that, uh, one of the ones that said... Uh, that it's uh, not a big deal. I think it's a huge deal because it's a country. For first, first off, it's a country. And uh, they're, well, I mean, they have the status of a country. It's not like MicroStrategy or Tesla saying that they're going to buy Bitcoin. It's a country. They, they go through Congress. A Congress had to sign a bill saying that they're going to go on a Bitcoin standard. It's not a board of directors. It's not an individual that's like a, a philanthropic individual like Elon Musk saying, hey, we're going to go on the Bitcoin standard as a company and allocate 8% of our cash reserves. No, 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 no. This was a country and it now allows other countries to start taking Bitcoin seriously uh, as a uh, as a store of value, as a medium of exchange and unit of account for their citizens. And so as a result of this, 
Immediately after El Salvador passed this bill, Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, and Mexico, uh, there's members of each members of uh, each of their parliaments. Uh, if you haven't noticed on Twitter, there's these laser eye individuals. It, this, these laser eyes uh, is is a Bitcoin meme. Um, it's supposed to mean um, they're going to stop having laser eyes when Bitcoin crosses a hundred thousand dollars a piece. But uh, these members of parliament all did laser eyes, and they're all talking about uh, essentially following El Salvador on their journey of Bitcoinization. Because once one country does it, it's kind of like, oh well, what if we don't do it? Right. The game theory that plays out here is we can't afford not to look into this now, now that a country has done it. And then secondly, uh, El Salvador is um, a typically impoverished country. Right. There's uh, the standard of living is uh, on the lower end of the spectrum. The economic prosperity is on the lower end of the spectrum. And so now we actually get to see we'll have real data and real insights into whether or not the hypothesis that Bitcoin can increase the quality of life will increase the quality of life. So I think that we're going to have a lot of people looking directly at the country and the people within it to see whether or not this hypothesis comes true and uh, whether or not there's factual basis for it. Right on. So Keegan, while you were going on that really awesome rant, what's a positive rant called? Uh, explanation. Explanation. Um, tangent. Tan no, well... Well, whatever. When I was you were... <laughs> stalling because I saw you doing some Googling here and I needed was, to, no, to fill a, the space. But... You filled it well. You filled okay. it very well. Thank so you. What do you I, have for us here? Basically, I was uh, I wanted to find out whether or not El Salvador uses um, renewable sources of energy with or without the incentive to use it for mining Bitcoin. And it does. So I'm on a Wikipedia page right now and... Um, the first line of this says El Salvador is the largest producer of geothermal energy in Central America. Cool. Now, it does say Central America, which is not comparable to the rest of the world. So um, because El Salvador, you know, is a pretty small country, I'm not sure where it stands with respect to, I don't know, another country that may be larger and uses more um, renewable resources of energy. But if you scroll down here, they say that the total installed capacity in 2006 was... Uh, I'll just read out percentages, which is 52% was thermal. And this is, I think, what the vote... Geothermal, yeah. No, it says 52% was thermal. Right. 36% uh, was hydroelectric. And 12% oh. is geothermal. Well, I wonder what the difference is between thermal and geothermal is. Um, I think, think thermal that is thermal like is volcanic. Okay. I th uh, well, yeah, well, I think thermal is volcanic. And then 36% hydroelectric, which I'm, you know, I'm not really sure with the geography of... Um, El Salvador, whether or not they have tons of waterfalls or whatever means to use hydroelectric power. But the point is that 60% of the electricity in, um, in El Salvador is already produced using renewable resources of energy. So then if they now say that um, they are going to use thermal uh, energy or renewable sources of energy to now mine Bitcoin, that is a really amazing step in the direction of stomping the argument of bitcoin mining not being a green um deal a green deal a green deal a green deal the great new green deal i think that i think i'm confusing that with something else anyway so <laughs> another no, thing no, I'm, I'm kind of making a joke there's like a, a green new deal that's what i'm saying in the u.s isn't there yeah something like that i'm yeah. not paying a lot of attention but uh, the other thing that I saw is uh, if you go to the Wikipedia page for El Salvador, their currency is now listed as Bitcoin first and the United States dollar second. So that's really cool. Um, that was just a side. 
Right on. And um, something that you said when you were talking about people saying, well, it's just El Salvador. It's a poor, small country, you know, demeaning the fact that they have taken this really bold step to take to use Bitcoin, something to be it's volatile currency. And it is also widely known as a speculative currency they've taken the bold step to go against mass media's head clickbaity headlines fud and fud and what a lot of economists believe to be a phase they have gone against all of that and made bitcoin their um, their legal tender so i don't i just i feel like the argument that it's a small country and no one's going to pay attention to it and it doesn't matter it's not going to affect the rest of the world is just wrong because this is one country that's taking a very bold step in a new direction in a radically different direction than the rest of the world and this is how change starts yeah it, it also has the support of Bitcoiners all over the world. I think all the Bitcoiners of the world, which is uh, approximately 1.5 to 2.5% of the world's population, which is much bigger than the population of El Salvador, are now paying a lot of attention to the first country to do this, right? So they're going to see an influx of um, immigration, well, tourism for one, but yep. perhaps even immigration. Bitcoin immigration. So, yeah, I have some, something to say on that. But El Salvador is. Uh, so they're offering citizenship to crypto entrepreneurs. Uh, who, yeah, that's us. That, hey, that is us. Yep. Uh, who, and that might be you. If that's you, go to El Salvador. Um, yeah, they're offering citizenship to these people who want to start crypto businesses within the country. I think that they're also just straight up offering citizenship, a green card specifically, for three Bitcoin. So for the cheap, cheap price of 100,000 US dollars or three Bitcoin now, you can get your El Salvadorian citizenship, which, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Murga, that, that seems all right. Maybe we'll can, go to El Salvador. Can, can we have triple citizenship? Um, well, for that to happen, I'm going to need dual citizenship <laughs> first. <laughs> but you can go and get your, your triple citizenship if you like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll be Indian someday. You I'll, will. Yeah, I'll have Indian citizenship. Um, all right. So that's another point covered on El Salvador's bold new step not being insignificant to the rest of the world because I can see them being in the next decade, perhaps even the Bitcoin mecca of the world. It could be. Sorry, Peter McCormack. I know you say that in your podcast. You call... I don't remember. Bedford. Bedford is the Bitcoin mecca, yeah. but coincidentally, we live beside a place called Bedford in Nova Scotia, because Nova Scotia has like a ton of places that are named uh, this similarly to places in in the UK. That's just some side trivia for our <laughs> listeners about where we're podcasting in from. Right on. So yeah, El Salvador. Uh, okay. So you know what? I want to challenge this argument because I was listening to another podcast. The other day, and they were criticizing. Um, so it was again what Bitcoin did. It was with Eric Weinstein, and they were talking about how when Elon Musk announced that he was going to purchase a billion and a half dollars worth of Bitcoin, everyone was super happy. They were cheering on Bitcoin. They were um, happy that this was going to encourage other institutions. And it, it was a huge win for Bitcoin. But then as soon as Elon Musk tweeted something radically and extremely opposite of what is either fact or fiction, we're not going to go there right now. But, you know, a huge majority of the same populace that or the same community that cheered him on just immediately 
Did a 360. Did a 360. One, yeah, that's just, yeah, 180. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, didn't acknowledge or weren't very supportive of him changing his mind. And, and supportive, I guess, is not the right word, but definitely what's, I'm trying to find a, a like a, an uncensored, uncensorable word. Because I don't want to say the, the word S-H-A-T. Well, they weren't uh, understanding of where Elon was in his Bitcoin journey, right? Yeah, but the, you know, one of the arguments is if someone has, has so much influence over the actions and decisions of other people, then they, you know, they must, they have some sort of social responsibility towards not making rash decisions. But I don't know, on Elon's defense, he probably doesn't care what everybody thinks. You yeah. know, he, he's not, he didn't ask for... I don't know how many of our followers he has. He just got them. Um, I think I think to add to that, like as an individual that follows or listens to them, to influencers, like you have a responsibility to think for yourself, right? Like you don't need to listen to what Elon says and then... Or anybody for that matter. Or anyone says, Including us. Right, exactly. Do your own research. Don't trust verify. These are these are good ethics. To, so... Yeah, go ahead. The reason why I wanted to bring Elon Musk into the argument is because, you know, everyone was cheering him on, celebrating, congratulating, um, not congratulating, celebrating the fact that he had taken the step and then everybody was not very happy with him um, after he went against his support towards Bitcoin. Right, after he dissented. Right now, El Salvador announced that they have, they have announced, they passed a bill and Bitcoin is now their legal tender and we're all happy, everything is fine and dandy, everyone's talking really well about El Salvador and what the future might look like. I want to challenge this scenario because what if in a week, what if in a month, what if in six months, um, the El Salvador government or president goes back on making Bitcoin legal tender and um, and then what happens? That's a really good point. Yeah, I, I have like a slight tangent, but it'll arrive back at uh, at this discussion precisely okay and there is this saying in the crypto space it's kill your heroes or another way to put that is if you see buddha on the street kill him and i'm really not advocating for murder here this is all symbolism and what it means is don't don't idolize someone for following you in your ideals and your path right like that's what we did with elon we idolized him and said oh great you're your hero for doing this and that that's we're seeing the same sort of thing with el salvador uh, now, if then El Salvador in six months time turns around and says, okay, that was a terrible idea. Bitcoin's a fraud. It's actually really energy inefficient and we were wrong about everything. We're going to look stupid again. The Bitcoin community is going to look stupid. So we, we shouldn't like piggyback onto El Salvador in such a big way that we inflate their importance for doing this but we should but we, we just did the but first we just did. yes <laughs> the first the half part. of this podcast yes you didn't exactly let me finish there, i'm though. sorry i'm uh, sorry my, my train of thought is is uh it's tarnished now oh my gosh i don't know where i was going well you were saying that no it just looks silly uh so you were saying that we shouldn't piggyback on um the victory of el salvador and you're gonna say something yeah i was <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a really good point that you, like, what do you think about, I'll, I'll just pose the question back to you in order to, to save my butt here. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about that, that symbolo sim symbolic saying, like, if you see Buddha on the street, kill him, like, kill your idols, don't, uh, don't worship people for, for, like, for doing something in the now, like, what happens when six months later they change their mind, uh, that train of thought. 
Right. So your my my question to me, which is right now everything's fine and dandy. You're super happy about El Salvador, but then what if in six months they change their mind? Yeah. Because unlike Bitcoin, their mind and whatever they've passed can change. Right. Um. Just like unlike Elon. unlike Bitcoin's code base or code. So my thoughts on this. Um. Let's see. Wow. I've got a thought. If you're I thinking. Put, okay. <laughs> Sure, go for it. So I, I think that what what a lot of the Bitcoiners did after they saw this whole Elon Musk and Tesla Tesla fiasco play out was they returned to the first principles of Bitcoin. So let's just roll through a couple of them right now. Bitcoin doesn't care who uses it and when they use it and what they use it for. It doesn't care if it's a country. It doesn't care if it's Tesla. Uh, Bitcoin will continue to produce one block every 10 minutes as if as if no one is using it it doesn't it doesn't care it doesn't understand who's using it and that's that's a good thing to fall back upon because it says that independently of what's happening in the external world bitcoin's just going to keep on chugging along and doing it what it is designed to do and that's just another way of saying that okay bitcoin works right if it didn't work then it would be there would be some sort of catastrophe if uh, if a large number of people stopped using it. But that's that's not what we see. We see the the people that um, the hardcore believers, essentially the, the the Bitcoin maximalists and the the community that forms around them, they continue to use it based on its first principles. What are and, you thinking? And you're bringing back bringing that point back to El Salvador because Bitcoin because doesn't six, care. Yeah, in six months' time, if El, the El Salvadorian government decides that they've uh, done a bad thing, then Bitcoin's not going to care. It's going to continue to chug out blocks, and uh, the Bitcoin community will go somewhere else. Yeah, I feel like there's there might be a couple holes in what you just said, Keegan, because at the end of the day, Bitcoin is supported by the people that use it, and um. And if Bitcoin is supported by the people that use it and we lose some portion of Bitcoiners because El Salvador declares that they don't want to be using Bitcoin as legal tender, then that adds to the volatility for one. It definitely adds to the FUD, which stands for fear, uncertainty and doubt for two. And for three, I feel like it's going to leave a lot of people pissed and <laughs> and disheartened on on countries and centralized entities like I, I feel like it's going to bring out anger in some bitcoiners That's because true. of the back and forth of centralized entities accepting adopting and then not accepting and not adopting. dropping out yeah um their support for bitcoin so i'm not sure what sort of anarchy that's going to lead to um if that happens in six months what am I personally going to feel? I wonder. Um, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I'm not sure. We'll probably take the information in stride, right? Which means that if uh, if El Salvador comes out and let's just say that they call Bitcoin very energy inefficient and that's the reason why they're going against it, then we'll, we would probably assess that information similarly to when Elon did it and uh, be skeptical. Okay, why did they say that? Uh, what information do they have that we don't have? Are they being misled or misguided? Or I know, but, um, you know, like, oh gosh, what, what was one of those things? History doesn't repeat itself. Or don't, uh, historians are not prophets, is one of the subtitles in the book, the, the Psychology of Money, stating that, sure, Elon Musk came, turned around and said that we're not going to accept Bitcoin for buying Teslas because Bitcoin mining is energy inefficient. 
But we can't anticipate the same reaction from the El Salvadorian president, whose name is Nayib Bukele. I don't want to keep saying El Salvadorian president. So, um, you know, we don't know. In six months, a year's time, whenever they can come around and say something else, maybe they can come around and say it just didn't work out. And it didn't work out, so we're just going to we're going to drop it again or or you know it doesn't have to be el salvador's fault if they are if they have been using the dollar for so long what's that thing that happened the embargo and i'm not very familiar with the situation but what if you know the us says that they are not going to allow trade or immigration between el salvador and and the sanctions. us sanctions yeah sanctions. i'm thinking sanctions what if you know a really large government says hey we're not going to allow you to use the dollar anymore we're not going to trade with you anymore because you're using bitcoin and we consider that an illegal currency so Right. That's actually one of the reasons why it's super important for the neighboring countries around El Salvador to also get on the Bitcoin standard so that the U.S. dollar is not the only means through which the El Salvadorian government can trade with other nations. Yeah, but that's going to cause a lot of economic unrest because totally. what is the current what, what stimulates their economy right now? And initially, I looked it up. It's actually T-shirts. 63 percent T-shirts. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. I thought you I thought you said remittances. Uh, no. Okay. No, like El Salvador doesn't make money off of remittances. They lose money off of remittances, right? Because all the money is remitted in the US dollar. So it has to go through United States banks, which take a cut. So this is this is a situation that they're trying to get out of. Uh, El Salvador doesn't have enough money inside the country. So the people that grew up in El Salvador have to go outside the country, like Canada, United States, uh, Brazil, wherever, to find jobs earn the US dollar or earn the, the like a peso, for example, convert that to the US dollar, then remit that to the United, uh, to back to their families. And by the time it reaches them, they have significantly less than what they earned because they still owe taxes on that money as well within the country and then within El Salvador. So there's all sorts of gates that they need to jump through, hoops that they need to jump through. And, it, and it's it's ending up with the El Salvador, the people, the be- the boots on the ground, having less money in their pocket to do anything with. And Bitcoin completely jumps over that system. Tell me about the t-shirts, though. Like a majority of their economy is fabrics. Yeah, the creation of uh, of fabrics really? and, and t-shirts. Yeah, that's, that's what cool. Wikipedia Look, said. Sorry, I'm not doubting you. I'm just expressing my uh, surprise. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Um, a lot of my clothes they made in India and Bangladesh, um, or China. Yeah, and then there's, I think there's coffee. Uh, there is other food exports, tourism's in there somewhere. But it's, it's actually like the smallest uh, country by geographic area, like surface area in, in Central America as well. That's pretty cool. Okay, so, you know, that is one of the situations where it's not necessarily El Salvador that goes back on their decision. It could be sanctions that are posed on El Salvador by yeah. a more, uh, by a stronger country and and that i could definitely see that happening perhaps ruin perhaps i'm not sure i'm not sure I, I feel like if the el salvadorian government and if there's enough bitcoiners and entrepreneurs in el salvador and the neighboring countries they could find a solution to get out of there and you know um what's that saying something is a necessity necessity is the mother of all inventions so if sanctions are posed in El Salvador and if they can't, if they're squeezed out of a situation or if they're squeezed into a situation, they'll probably find a way to get out of it if they 
if they have the support of the one and a half to two point seven percent of Bitcoiners all around the world that have then immigrated to El Salvador to support them. Yeah. So taking this back to the Eric Weinstein conversation that uh, that you mentioned on the What Bitcoin Did podcast. I said Weinstein. Is Weinstein, it Weinstein. It's one of does the it two. Matter? Do it no, matter? No, it, it does matter. And oh. I've heard him like say which one it is. <laughs> and what did I say? Stein? Stein? I see. Eric. <laughs> Eric uh, raised some really good points that I, I found that uh, that Peter and his guest Travis were not able to uh, to answer quite as tidily as I would want them to. Um, but one of the things was like Eric saying, "What is the big picture for Bitcoiners? What is the end game? Where are you going with this? What are you trying to do?" And in my mind, this is it. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to get countries on board. Because we believe fundamentally that there that Bitcoin can rectify a lot of these economic situations for the citizens of those countries, and back to the other point of like, um, okay, does El Salvador even matter? Like, does is it even a big deal? And it's like, yes, it's a big deal. The countries with the most to gain will be the first to adopt Bitcoin. The countries with the least to gain and the most to lose will be the last to adopt Bitcoin, and that's America. What does America have to lose? Well, they have the status... The control of the money. The control of the world's money. They have the, the status of the US dollar as the world reserve currency to lose. That's what they stand to lose by countries adopting Bitcoin. That's what we're here to do. So that's that's why that would be my answer, and I would love to elaborate upon that like with, with Eric or um, someone of the caliber of, of Eric. Right on. So you started this... You started this answer to what exactly? I, I can't recall. We're all over the place now, Murga. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we brought up Eric initially because he had some very good points to raise. Yeah, his question was, what's the big against picture? The commu- yeah, okay. What's the big picture? And you're saying that this is the big picture because a country has now adopted Bitcoin as its legal tender. I definitely think this is one of the big pictures, yeah. I think one of the big pictures is moving the, the accelerating the world towards a greener future. Uh, at a a faster pace than we would have otherwise without something that consumes as much electricity. There's another episode on that, though. The other big picture is dismantling the the amount of control that the U.S. Federal Reserve has on the world through the, the status of the U.S. dollar. That's the second big picture that I'd like to see. Right on. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, connecting this back to that initial question that I asked, which is, you know, what if in a month or six months, either the El Salvadorian government or, for whatever reason, they can't use Bitcoin or they're forced to uh, run out of not use Bitcoin? Another scenario that could make that possible is the fact that perhaps a lot of the rural places in El Salvador don't have access to internet, and internet is the base layer to transact with on with Bitcoin. Yeah. So if someone doesn't have access to to the internet, how are they supposed to pay for things? So there is does exist offline transactions actually. There does, but how fast are they? Well, they're as fast as whoever contains the offline transaction can take it to an inter- like a, a source of internet and uh, basically upload that transaction. So I can it's kind of like a check. I can get you to sign a transaction and then I need to take it to the bank to cash it. Well, with Bitcoin, you can sign the transaction saying that, okay, I send 10 Satoshis from me to you. And then you actually need to take that transaction uh, to somewhere that has internet for that to be processed and cleared by the network. Okay, so I have another question. Who controls the electricity and the internet? In El Salvador? Yeah. 
Because that's another, that's Oof. a second layer of... Um, We're over my pay grade now, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a second point of failure, right? Because the first, if it, okay, let's say that everybody has access to the internet and everybody has access to electricity. The second thing to ask is, okay, who has control over giving that access to the El Salvadorian people? It sounds like they're self-sufficient as far as electricity goes. Now, whether or not they're self-sufficient with respect to the internet... I, I would also imagine that, that that is the case. I mean, the whole world is interconnected with undersea internet cables now. And I think you'd have to get some countries pretty radicalized to shut off internet to that one country for sure. adopting Bitcoin. Okay, sure. And then you can say that perhaps this is one of the reasons why they are incentivized to um, have every single rural region in El Salvador um, get gain access to internet and gain access to electricity. So here's my third question. Let's just say that they're satellite internet, right? Yep. Um, what is it? Starlink? Starlink is gonna, Starlink, is the yep. thing that's going to go up in the in the sky and give rural places in, in the world internet. Now, what if... Now, okay, Starlink is a centralized entity, right? What if they decide we don't want people to be able to transact with uh, Bitcoin because we believe that it's uh, it has a high consumption of electricity or whatever whatever reason because it is centralized so what happens then and this isn't just the case with el salvador you know if, right. if this is if somebody in a very remote region is switching to bitcoin for whatever reason and they are using satellite internet to make those transactions and that can be censored because it is centralized so what then yeah in in the event that all of that takes place bruga <laughs> uh there actually has been some very creative individuals that have thought th through all of this before you and I sitting here doing this podcast today, and they've innovated a way to create Bitcoin transactions over ham radio. And it yeah. is a slow process, but... I'm going to stop you there. You're going to stop me here. Who's going to have access to ham radio in a rural region? Oh, I bet in, ham radios are everywhere. In some part. Okay, I guess I don't know what a ham radio is. A then. ham radio is like a radio that was... Uh, I don't know, like one of the first forms of radio. It's got the AM and the FM, and you can send and receive transmissions wow, from so it. Wow, <laughs> so to, to go forward, we're going like 10 steps back. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm, I'm just trying to, to technology? protect against, like I'm just trying to vet out all of the, the scenarios that you're asking a question. What happens if countries take these super radical steps and then countries go, go full-blown radical against El Salvador? No, no, no. I'm not saying just in the case of countries because there can be private companies too, right? So the, the reason for me to bring up internet and electricity is because to my knowledge, there are some regions or some countries in the world where private companies not from that same country have the control, control and mm. the access to um, enabling electricity, enabling internet. So, you know, that is another layer of um, possible censorship. And I'm, I'm not saying that this is what El Salvador would do or could do. I'm saying that these are some of the, the weak points or the risk factors for anybody very openly and courageously taking a step towards Bitcoin. If And if another more powerful party doesn't want to see that... Um, see them succeed, then they can take these measures to make them not succeed. So I'm not against Bitcoin here. I'm just posing challenges oh, that it. they're going to face. Yeah, that, that they could face, not that they're going to oh, face. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes, that they could face. Yeah, I think to play devil's advocate against your devil's advocate, <laughs> <laughs> there's money to be made here. Like, What does Starlink have to gain by not permitting internet access to the citizens of El Salvador? I don't know. Maybe another government pays them to... Maybe it not make true. it possible. Yeah, like the U.S. government, for example. Yeah, there's okay. 
at the end of the day, I think people are going <laughs> to, they're going to make money. They're going to go where the money is. And then on the other side of things, Bitcoiners and just people in general, they're going to find ways to, they're, they're innovative, right? These, the things that you just brought up, they're problems and people solve problems. This is what they do. When people put other barriers up in front of a group, that group figures out a way to solve them, especially if their, their livelihood is, uh, is at risk. And, you know, I have, I have some faith that the Bitcoiners would rally behind the country, the first country to do this in a meaningful way. Yeah. Oh, I'm not doubting you. <laughs> I'm, I'm simply posing challenges. I'm about to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Um, there was one thing that you said about you playing devil's advocate on my devil's advocate. What was that thing? I was going to say something against that again. You're going to uh, devil, devil cube. Yeah. My, <laughs> the devil. I don't even know what the first thing that we're playing devil's advocate on anymore. <laughs> it was uh, the censorship resistance that Bitcoin offers and the counter censorship measures that countries could take if they didn't want to see this succeed. And, you know, one of the reasons why if El Salvador is quote-unquote a small country that no one pays attention to could be uh, under the thumb of a quote-unquote larger country with perhaps more monetary and military power to um, squamble, squabble their efforts to squander their efforts to use Bitcoin as legal tender. I think that's worst case scenario. That's what I was going to say. If, if a country wants to go and invade El Salvador because they said that they want to go and adopt Bitcoin as their standard, that that is horrible. I think I, that at that point, I would be crying. <laughs> Listen, it is just a scenario. Everybody has to prepare for it. What's that? I remember reading that somewhere. It's The point isn't to, to have nukes and use them. The point is for everyone to have nukes and not use them because the other party can also... Oh gosh, I'm, I'm butchering this. No, no, you got uh, this, it. This yeah, thing. it's mutually assured destruction. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't really want to talk about nukes right now. But it's it's also political power, right? Like it's not just military power. Um, anyway, I think Economic we've power. I think we've talked a lot about the challenges that El Salvador could face if they they see a lot of success in this. Yeah, but they got this in the bag. It's nothing but smooth sailing for them now. <laughs> That's my optimist. <laughs> that is, that is a, an accent I haven't heard before. All right. That's my Matthew McConaughey accent. That's not how Matthew McConaughey <laughs> speaks, Keegan. All right. I, I think you're good. Uh, yeah. Let's just say that I don't think you have a career in acting. You um, might. Oh, definitely not, not as a Southern accented person. Okay. Anyway, folks, we've covered, mm, we've covered some really awesome news here. We've covered the fact that El Salvador has declared Bitcoin to be their legal tender. If you go there and if you want to offer Bitcoin to someone, they have to accept it. And from the from the looks of the news that we're reading, they will willingly accept it. So this is a great win for Bitcoin in general and the cryptocurrency community. And um, we've talked about the challenges that they could potentially face, as well as a lot of the advantages that or incentives and a lot of um, um, positive future. What am I trying to say here? Positive outcomes that El Salvador might um, face because of this very, very bold and courageous decision. Yeah, at the very least, six months from now, two years from now, we will all have learned something from this experiment. It's it's largely an untested. They're in new ground. They're breaking new ground as we speak. And that 
excites me because eyes are going to look at that and analyze it. Lots of smart people are going to wonder what this is going to do to their economy and to the people of that uh, of that nation. And I, for one, I'm really excited to find out. So regardless of what happens, positive or negative, I'm, I'm looking forward to having more information available to us to uh, to basically back up the power of Bitcoin with science and with real real data, real statistics. Right on. So if you have any more, uh, any, anything to add to what we've just discussed or you wanted to bring something up and have a discussion with us, please check. We love all of the conversations that we're having with you folks. Thank you for reaching out. We love talking to you. So please email us anytime. Uh, our email address is ready at gofullcrypto.com. You can also find us on social media and, uh, and just start strike up a conversation with us. Strike up strike up a strike. conversation it, wait that's correct right that's a phrase yeah absolutely okay. yeah but it's a double entendre because strike I, is largely responsible for helping yes. el salvador get into bitcoin in the first place yes this is true maybe we'll have to do a whole episode on strike someday we will maybe we can do it in el salvador when we can travel oh, there. you need a passport first <laughs> <laughs> yes all right well, story <laughs> thank you everyone for listening and stay tuned <laughs>